if you would turn to turn to Job 23 turn to Job 23 and 10 Job 23 and 10 something that something that I looked at put together then had to re rearrange it but the effect is still the same Job 23 and 10 and it reads as thus but he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me I shall come forth as gold if you would just turn and tell somebody by the time I get through this By the time these words were spoken by Job, he had already lost his children, his possessions, his health, the comfort of his friends, the support of his wife, and at times even questioned if God was near. For everything that Job had gone through and was going through, he still had enough in him to know that God was not only in control, but had a plan for him on the other side of this. Job's biggest battle wasn't surviving the trial itself, but staying focused on the training he would receive during the trial. We, like Job, find ourselves in tight spots, rough places, tough times, painful periods, and just plain jacked up situations, if we tell the truth. But these are things that we have to go through. We tend to want to rush the process so we can get out of whatever this is. But we have, but we have, but have we really considered that if we get out of this too soon, we might not develop into what God has intended for us to become? We might be the same people we were before this started, or worse yet, we might be the same Christians we were before this got started. Just remember, God wants something different for you and me, and he wants something different from you and me. And it's only during times like this that you can, be, that you can become what God has planned for you. It's during times like this that God uses adversity to try us, prove us, and purify us for his purposes. Point number one. Your trust has to be tested. Numbers 14 and 9. It reads, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. What do you do when God sends a word but doesn't show you the way? In that scripture we're reading, we're understanding that the spies at this particular point, they went out to see the promised land that God had promised Israel. But because God didn't tell them how he would bring the promise to pass, they couldn't see themselves in it. They were more concerned with how the promise came about over who made them the promise. They were more concerned with the individual details than the one who made the declaration. They got caught up with, God, how are you going to do it? As opposed to telling the land, God told me he was going to do it. 
The crazy thing is, is that God made them this promise that seemed to be so big, wild, and just out of this world, but they're the same ones who saw God open up a Red Sea, who took them out of the hands of an enemy that was enslaving them and made them walk around this mountain. And, and they, they, was, they were preserved. They, he brought manna from heaven, brought water from a rock. He brought quail out of And they still question how and not focus on the who. If we tell the truth, we've gone through things like that ourselves. We've seen God perform miracle after miracle, after uh, deliverance after deliverance, but when it comes time to face another problem, we revert back to, well, God, how? We begin to question him. Now, it's okay to ask God a question, but it's not okay to question him. Right? God, help me see it so that I can trust you. It's fine. But God, how are you going to do it? If you notice, God's not worried about what we think. God does not create the world based on our understanding. It's by his own knowledge that God created the world. As a matter of fact, Proverbs tells that he created the world by understanding. And if we were honest, we couldn't explain how he brought us out of the last this we were in. We may be able to tell about it and witness to it, but we couldn't give the details of how he got that loan officer to change their mind after they said no. We couldn't give the details of how that doctor gave one diagnosis one week, but the next week turned around and said, I don't see a problem. We couldn't explain how God turned around to make a judge go against every law, every rule, every ordinance that the prosecution brought up against us, but the judge saw something different and said, I'm going to let you go. We couldn't explain the details behind that. All we know is that God did it. Yep, that was God that opened my eyes when I was blind. Yep, that was God that made a way out of no way. Yep, that was God. But we couldn't explain it, so why are we hassling him about the details? Joshua and Caleb stood on what God said and what he has done. Numbers 14 and 8. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. We must be so sure in what God has done in times past that when we're faced with what needs to be done now, our faith won't be shaken. If God delivered you from Egypt, he can get you through the wilderness and then deliver you into the promised land. It's about what he said. Think about it. The children of Israel were in slavery. God said, I'm bringing you out, but before you go, go back to your slave masses and get gold from them. Explain it. You can't. But they went and did it because of what? God said it. So if God will send you back to the thing that enslaved you and told you to get some prosperity from it, don't you dare ask God how he's going to do the next thing. Just know that if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Point number two. Your salvation has to be sure. 1 Samuel 25, 30 and 31. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel that this shall be no grief unto thee nor offense of heart unto my Lord either that thou hast shed blood causeless or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thy handmaiden. Confrontations are opportunities to sin. David and his band of men were already on the run. Because by this point, 
David had been anointed to be king, but Saul had other problems. He had other issues. He had other plans. He wanted to kill David. So David was on the run. They were away from their homes wandering, waiting for the right time to return, waiting for God to make a way for them to return. It's during times like this is that when the enemy will tempt, tempt you to wrath. When we look at that part, when we look at that scripture, David and his men were at traveling, wandering around in Judah, and they come across this man who has his workers in the field. Now, you got to understand, during that time, when you had people working in your field, a lot of times they were under threat by raiders who would come and steal your produce, come and steal your livestock, come and steal your wealth, and kill your workers. But every now and then, you had a group of people who would defend your men, who would defend your workers and everything that you had, and just by way of respect, you would then give them something as a word of thank you, something as a word of, of appreciation for what they've done. So David sends his men to talk to Nabal. And Nabal says, who is David? I don't know who this guy is. And then begins to talk about David and then sends the men back on their heels. So David at this point is like, yo, I just kept everything you had. All your people were safe with me and my boys. And you're going to turn and act like this to me? He told all of his men, he had 600 of them, took 400 and said, get your swords. We going down there to take things out. Anything that's not walking with us is dying. Anything that, did, anything that didn't come down with us is going down once we get there. So David now is upset. He's going to avenge himself, right? But look what his wife, Ab, look what Abigail said. She told him, hold up, hold up. Don't let wrath cause you to walk out of the will of God, right? He's, don't shed any blood and don't avenge yourself. How many times are we faced with standing up for ourselves when we should sit quiet and let the Lord fight our battles? How many, times have we, how many times have we rolled up our own sleeves ready to duke it out with whatever and whoever and however? Whether it's going to be through a verbal debate or physical joust. How many times have we gotten to situations where we thought it was best to give somebody a piece of our mind than to hold our peace and let the Lord fight the battle? When you are in situations that take you, that push you to the point, whenever you're a part of whatever your this is, watch out for the enemy trying to get you to act out of character, to get you to act out of your spirit, to get you to act out of your Christian assignment, your kingdom establishment. Because remember, we're kingdom ambassadors. We're representatives of Christ. Christ may have flipped over a few tables. We ain't hear about Jesus and going to somebody's head. Giving me two-piece? I don't know what Jesus gave nobody a two-piece. And I don't mean two-piece extra crispy. Right? But the enemy will do anything he can to get you out of your game plan, to get you out of the will of God, to get you out of your prayerful demeanor, to get you to act out of your spirit and get into your flesh. Because if he can get you in your flesh, then he could tempt you with the, what the world has going on. Right? But she told him, be still. Don't let this cause you to come out of what God has for you. Right? Trials will either quicken your confession or cause you to question your confession. The 97th Psalm, verse 10. 
Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. We must mature to the point of denying our fleshly desires, especially during adversity and times of potential discomfort. If you let the right this happen, you don't need much to cause you to go somewhere else. Go through the right thing and you'll even question what you actually believe about God. All right. New York Lotto is at $500 million. Some of y'all start putting numbers together right now. Stop, stop thinking about the numbers. Stop thinking about the numbers. Right? I believe it's at 547 million. I missed a few. But when you are in, the, when you are in financial straits, when you are dealing with situations that your resources can't overcome, we start thinking about other things. And we can apply that to anything. I just use money because that's fun, that's funny. You know, hit nobody too hard, but we're gonna put that in anything. Anytime that you are suffering or lacking in a certain area, the very perversion of that thing starts to play in your mind. Single people wanna do married things. Married people wanna do single things. Now you understand what I'm saying? Right? So you let the right this happen, it's either going to cause you to solidify your confession or you're going to question your confession. Right? God can keep us in all our hardest times by his spirit, though. Ephesians 1 and 13, it says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. If you are a believer in God, you have a seal around you. You have a seal covering you. Even if you want to get out, the Holy Spirit is gonna keep you if you want to be kept. We don't have to keep saying, oh, I just can't do this. I just can't do that. What did pastor preach last week? I got this. And the reason why we got this because we have the Holy Spirit. For who is the greatest power in the universe? It's the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus rose with all power. Not only did he rise with all power, but he has all power. And not only does he have all power, but he controls all power. So if he has all power and controls all power, what can the enemy, what can the world do to us? Nay, in all these things we are, Right. Point number three, your strength has to be solidified. Second Corinthians 12 and nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. To get God's power, we must be weak in our own. We must learn to lean on God rather than leaning on the tower of our own understanding. When we reach a point, when we reach a point of exhaustion, when we reach the point of your wits in, when you've come to the very end of your own understanding, a lot of times our knee-jerk reaction is to try and find more understanding. We try to find other ways to get it done. 
We try to find other ways to make it happen. But if we was to trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord and all that he has and all of his understanding and don't lean to our own. Sometimes you may have to sit and watch things happen. Sometimes you may have to watch the enemy wreak havoc all around you. Sometimes you may have to watch the enemy come after your children. Sometimes you may have to watch the enemy try to eat up your resources. But somewhere I read that for your suffering, God will give you double. That if we just wait on him, we trust in him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Our strength is not based on our flesh. Or when we base our strength on our flesh, we find out that it's weak and temporary. But Jesus has all power and is from everlasting to everlasting. We only get stronger when we're pushed into, our, we're pushed into and past our weaknesses. Point number four. Your praise has to be perfected. You have a praise and affliction. The 42nd Psalm, verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquietest within me? Hope thou in God. Thank you, preacher. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. The funny thing about this, David wrote this. David wrote this psalm while he was in a cave. David wrote this psalm while he was surrounded by darkness. David wrote this psalm while it was damp, possibly watery or maybe even dry. In a cave means there's no way out but then the way that you came in. And if you ran in, that means something's behind you chasing you. David is in a cave with people who they said that they were destitute. The word said that they were cast off in debt and in trouble. And he had 600 plus follow him. So he had a bunch of rejects in a cave with him that couldn't help him. But he said, why am I cast down? Sometimes God would allow people who are worse off than you come and surround you because you, when you finally come to your wits end and come to remember the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you'll start praying. You won't keep complaining about what's going on, but you'll lift up your hands and you'll start declaring the word over these dead things. You'll start speaking life over these things that are dead. You'll start speaking life into things that seem to be falling off. You'll declare God's word in the midst of people who are worse off than you. When you're afflicted, you won't be given to complaining, but you'll begin to praise God from whom all blessings flow. You also have a praise in prison. Acts 16, 25 through 34. I'm gonna let the book talk on this one. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for the light and sprang in and came trembling. This is the guard. And fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, 
what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. When we can learn to praise God and give God glory when we're in our binding situations, you don't know who's about to be saved behind you. You don't know who's about to be see Jesus because of you. You don't know whose life is about to change because you haven't changed your confession. This man was about to kill himself because he saw that his job was not being done. His job as the gatekeeper in the prison was that no prisoner can leave on his watch. And if they left, that he himself and his family would be killed. That's why it says that he was going to take his sword and do himself in. But look at what Paul said after they were singing and praising God. He said, we're not leaving. We're still here. We're not leaving our affliction. We're not leaving our bondage. We aren't leaving our entrapment. We aren't leaving the thing that would try to ensnare us, but we're still here praising God. He said, well, if that's the case, if you can be in your bondage, if you can be in your entrapment, if you can be in this hurting place and still praise this God, I want this God to save me. I want this God to save my house. I want this God to deliver me from my affliction. I want this God to deliver me from the this that I'm in. When we learn to lift up holy hands, when even though our hands are in shackle, God will do the miraculous. God will turn things around that you never thought would happen. You'll begin to see your enemies become your brothers and sisters. You'll begin to see those that plotted your demise come up and worship you and say, let us go up into the house of the Lord together. Tell somebody, by the time I get through this, we have to submit to and trust God in every this we're confronted with. It's in the middle of our this that God takes the opportunity to make us into what he wants us to be. He takes away any and every impurity will surrender to him. He gives us strength far beyond what we had so we can handle and thrive in those things that overwhelmed us. Let's go back to the text. Job 23 and 10. Let's go back there. Thank you, media team. And it reads, but he knoweth. That right there can make us run. Job is talking about God and everything God knows. God's knowledge is infinite. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. He knows everything that is, that is out there to be known. God knew the end before the beginning, before the begin, beginning decided to begin back in the beginning when it began. God knows the ends of a thing before even after it ends and however it could change, God knows how it ends. All alternate endings, all multiversal endings, every possible ending, God knows it all. As a matter of fact, God is the only true and living know-it-all. Well, a lot of us act like we know, I know it all, but we don't know nothing. God actually knows it all. God knows what you did yesterday. God knows what you're doing today. God knows what you're going to do tomorrow, and he has prepared something for you. And Job, in the middle of his affliction, he said, but he knows. He knows the way that I take. 
and then goes on to say he, he accepts that the way that he's going. He knows that God, is, God knows that he's going a certain way, so he just accepted it. Because look what he says after that. When he had tried me. Notice he didn't get caught up in the details. I understand that there's a saying that says the devil's in the details. Being that Jesus defeated the devil, why are we worried about him? He said, when he had tried me. And when you look up that word tried from its original word, that word, it, it means to examine thoroughly or scrutinize. So when you're going through your this, God is watching how you're acting. God is watching how you're responding. God is watching to see, are they applying my word? Are they applying my resources? I told them that they should pray in all things. Are they praying? Are they fasting? Are they consecrating? Are they turning away from the devil and come drawing close to me? Are they calling on the name of my son who is a, has a name that's above every name that is that name that was given unto heaven that all men might be saved? Are they calling on that name? Are they accessing the power of the Holy Spirit? The one who has the power to give and make them my witnesses. Are they using the Holy Spirit who helps them with righteousness and sanctification? Are they doing all of these things? God is examining what we're, how we're going through. God is examining and scrutinizing how we handle the this that we're in. But he's not just examining and scrutinizing just to give you a grade, but God is preparing a lesson plan. <laughs> God's preparing a lesson plan. Oh, yep, see, they didn't score too well there, so we got to do a little bit more here. Yeah, they did it right here, but we need to strengthen them over there. You know what? They missed this all together, so I'm going to feel give them another extra class in how to follow me 101. God is preparing a lesson plan for each of us so that when we come out of this, we'll be able to stand tall in the middle of the next time we go through that adversary. When the next time we go through this again, we'll be able to have the answer. The next time we go through this again, we'll be able to lift up holy hands, even if our head is hung down low. We'll be able to raise our voices even if we're down on our knees. So it says, when he have tried me, Job accepted that level of scrutiny. But look what he says. Job starts speaking prophetically. I shall come forth as gold. <laughs> now remember, he had just lost everything. He just lost every, his children, his wife, his money, his friends, his health. He lost everything. But he said, if I follow God in the midst of the this that I'm going through, God is going to make me more than what I've ever been. God is going to make me more than what I ever could be. God is going to make me more than what I ever tried to be. God is going to make me more than what my enemies thought I can be. If I just trust and obey, because there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. I shall come forth as gold. Just because we're going through something doesn't mean that God won't remove some things to make us into something he can use for his glory. We got to remember we are his vessels, his instruments that he's going to use to fill with his glory. We'll be vessels of gold and silver, vessels of honor. Or... We can be the total converse of that. We have to endure the this in our lives so that we could be more like God, that we could be more like Jesus. That's what this walk is about. 
This walk is about us being made to be more like Christ, to walk in his image, to walk in his perfection, to show his love, to be able to lay hands on the sick if necessary, and they will recover. But we have, to, we have to endure the this and know that God will bring us out and not be given to complaining. Tell somebody, by the time we get through this, by the time we get through this, we should be purified. When we go through this, we should be sanctified. We should be filled with his forgiveness. By the time we go through this, we should be the righteousness in Christ. We should be his holy people. We should stand as saints of the most high. If we go through this, we'll be blood washed. If we just endure while we go through this, we'll be filled with his Holy Spirit. For after all the hurt, after all the suffering, after all the setbacks and setups, by the time we get through this, by the time we get through all the hell, we ought to come out on fire. If we go through this right now and trust God in the midst of all of it, no demon in hell can hold you back. As a matter of fact, the more hell he puts on you, the more fire I take on because I know that when God has tried me, when God has examined me, when God has scrutinized me, when God has proved me, when God has perfected me, when God has put me through, God will bring me out as pure gold. I won't be like how I used to be before this. I won't act like how I used to act before this. But I will be able to stand and declare the good works of the Lord because I went through this. Give God a praise. By the time you get through this, you'll see someone that's sick and be able to testify. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver him out of them all. By the time you get through this, you'll see someone suffering and tell them, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. By the time you get through this, you'll see someone with no hope and say for all the promises of God, in him are yea and in him are amen unto the glory of God by us. By the time you get through this, you'll be able to tell the devil that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every lion tongue shall be cast down and shall not, every lion tongue that rise against me in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. By the time you get through this, you'll see someone in a dry place and tell them, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. By the time you get through this, you'll be able to stare fear in the face and say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? By the time you get through this, you'll be able to declare in the middle of any battle, by this I know that thou favorest me because my enemy doth not triumph over me. All you've got to do is trust God in the middle of your this. All you've got to do is hang on to his unchanging hand in the middle of this. All you've got to do is trust and believe that he will make a way in the middle of this. 
All you got to do is trust that God will make a way out of nowhere in the middle of this. All you've got to do is trust that in your dry places, he will make a river in every desert of your life. So right now, if you're going through this, give God a praise because you know that by the time you get through this, you'll be a new creation. By the time you get through this, you'll be God's perfection. By the time you get through this, you'll be God's holy one. By the time you get through this, you'll be a saint of the most high. Give God a praise. 